number of years ago, I read an article by a man who was a preacher, but he told of a story that was a true story that he said happened to him when he was a younger boy. Uh, he went to a little country church. They lived out in the country, and they liked hunting and fishing, and, and uh, he was very into that. And he had become quite friends with the preacher, and uh, the preacher told him that uh, he would buy him a present for his birthday. Well, a couple days before his birthday, that boy saw the preacher going into a store and came out of a sporting goods store with a new rod and reel. And so he was so excited because that's the, that's the very one that he had been talking about to that preacher friend of his. And uh, it was wintertime, and Sunday rolled around, which was also that young man's birthday, and there was snow on the ground, and the boy was with some of his peers, and they all dared him to throw a snowball at the preacher as he was walking to church that morning. And so he packed up a big old snowball, and he threw it and hit the preacher right in the side of the head, knocked his glasses off, knocked him down, spilled his Bible, his notes are out, you know, in the snow. And then the boys pushed him out from behind the tree so that the preacher saw who had done it. Well, the kid was just, I mean, he avoided him at church. He went home. He was very sheepish. He didn't have anything to say much to his parents. And then he saw out the window the preacher walking down the driveway. He knew he was in big trouble. Uh, He had just hit that guy with a snowball. And so he ran up to his room. Preacher came in the house and uh, visited with the parents for quite a while. And finally there was a call. He couldn't hear what they were talking about. There was a call said, son, come downstairs. The preacher wants to talk to you. Boy, he knew he was in trouble then. And uh, he came downstairs, and the preacher said, come on outside with me. I want to show you something. And uh, he went outside, and the preacher handed him a present. The boy opened it, and it was his rod and reel. And he said, happy birthday. And he started to walk away. And the boy was so convicted because he knew that he knew that he had hit him in the head with a snowball. And he said, I don't deserve this. I mean, you saw what I did today. I'm sorry, but but I, I shouldn't have. They dared me, and I never thought it would hit you in the head. Please forgive me. I don't deserve this. Take this. And he said, I know you don't. You don't deserve it. But I want to teach you a lesson about grace. And that young boy, who is now a preacher himself, said, I will never forget that incident in my life where I was taught the meaning of grace. Sometimes stories help us to understand doctrinal truths, biblical principles. And there is a biblical story that today I want to share with you that also helps, at least helps me, excuse me, to understand a little bit more about the grace of God. If you have your Bible, open it to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. While you're turning there, let me just give you a little bit of the background for that passage. Do we not have PowerPoint this morning? Is there not? Okay. Um, 2 Samuel chapter 9. 
there is, um, as you look at um, the the setting, King David is at his height. I mean, he's in his glory, um, doing very well. Uh, Prior to his coming to the power that, that he is in, Saul was king before him. Saul had become disobedient to God and his kingdom was taken from him and was going to be given to David. And Jonathan knew how his father had become wicked. And you remember Jonathan was Saul's son and Jonathan and David were best of friends. And so Jonathan met with David in 1 Samuel chapter 20. And he said, I want to make a covenant with you. I know God's with you. I know my father has made some mistakes I want you to promise me that you won't do harm to my family when you come into power. You know, the, the Eastern dynasties often had, you know, when a new king would come in place, they would, they would wipe out the family of the, the former, the previous ruler, so that there wouldn't be any threat to the throne. And, and so Jonathan says, just, just promise me that you'll do that, that you won't do that. And David gave his word. Now we're in 2 Samuel, David has come into power, and, and there is, uh, here, here's Jonathan, and, uh, or I mean, here's David, and David remembers that promise that he made to Jonathan about doing good to his family. And he asked his servants, he said, is there anyone in the house of Jonathan that I can bless, that I can be gracious to? Well, they came to him and they said, well, there is one guy, uh, he's, he, he's crippled. Um, his name's Mephibosheth, but he's lame in both feet. And David said, perfect, that's who I want to talk to. You send him to me. And Mephibosheth was a, a son of Jonathan that when Saul and Jonathan were killed and word got to him. His family, he was just five years old, his family hustled out and they were running for their lives. And somehow in the process, somehow he was dropped, he fell, and it crippled him. And that's just the way he was. And so when David says, is there anyone that I can show grace to? They say, well, there is this one son, one grandson, but he he's crippled. And David said, well, I'm going to take care of him. And that's where the story is set, and that's the setting for the story. But I want you to see three things from this story in 2 Samuel chapter 9 that I think will help us to understand a little bit more about God's grace. First of all, there is this point. There is, for all of us, a need for grace. In the story of... Mephibosheth, um, he was separated from, you know, he enjoyed at one time living in the palace in the presence of the king. The king was his own grandfather, and he had that kind of a life, but now he's separated from that. He's no longer in the palace. He's no longer in the presence of the king. In fact, he has fled from the presence of the king and from the presence of the palace and is now living in a place called Lodabar which means barren place. 
he's living in a detestable situation now, in a place he's just hiding out. He's just trying to eke out a survival and existence in fear that he might be discovered and somebody put him to death because he's family of the former king. And just as Mephibosheth was separated from the king, isn't that what happened to us? At one time, we walked hand in hand with the God of heaven. We were in fellowship with him. We had no sin. We were innocent. And we, some at some point in our life, we decided to make choice, a choice, choices that violated his will, that separated us from him. And ever since that time, we have suffered a separation. Isaiah says that separation is not because God is hard of hearing and that he can't, you know, hear. Oh, what's your problem? Oh, I can't hear you. You scream a little louder. He can hear. And his arm's not so short that he can't help us. But the reason he said was for the separation was because of sin. That sin had separated. And, and so just like Mephibosheth was separated from the king, so we are separated from the king because of our sin. And, and I think it's interesting that David, um, <clears throat> here's, a, here's a man who David says, come back to the palace. I know you don't deserve it, but I want you back, and I want you sitting at my own table. When we have supper, I want you to be there. I want you to sit in the presence of the king and enjoy the luxuries that the king has. And David lavishes abundance on Mephibosheth, a man who was living in a barren land, separated from the king. What has God done for us? We're separated from him by sin, and he makes a move to us and says, I have something to offer you, something better than you can ever imagine. Fellowship with me and, and a eternal life. Not just time, but quality of life for all eternity. And that can be yours. The Bible tells us that um, that gift was given <clears throat> not by any merit. In fact, if you have your Bible, open it to Titus chapter 3 <clears throat> and look at verse 4. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. But do you see that? When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, it wasn't because of any work. We hadn't done anything that would make God say, you know what, I need to be kind to them. There's something special. Nothing. It was just God's goodness. And it was just David's goodness that he would say, is there anyone left that I can bless? Mephibosheth hadn't done anything to deserve uh, the goodness that David had bestowed upon him. It was just out of the goodness of David's heart that he offers up this position to Mephibosheth. And he was really, in essence, helping a man who couldn't help himself. He was lame, living in a barren place no doubt had to have caretakers. He was helpless. But what are we? 
when we are separated from the king. Romans chapter 5 says we are without strength. We are enemies. We are weak. And it was when we were all those things, Christ died for us. Do you see the parallels? The gift that David bestowed upon Mephibosheth is the same gift in nature as to the gift of salvation that God has given to us. We all need grace. Mephibosheth as well as us. Here's a second point I want you to see. I want you to see the meaning of grace. Because in this passage, David, again, was seeking the person that he wanted to bless. It wasn't because of anything that Mephibosheth had done. It was because he wanted to give it. Mephibosheth didn't deserve it. He was hiding, in fact, from the one who could give it to him. And don't we ourselves find ourselves in that same situation? We don't deserve God's grace. We've been throwing snowballs. But God, in spite of our actions reaches out toward us and offers salvation to us. And I want you to also see that this grace that was given was given not on the basis of anything that Mephibosheth had done, but on the basis of what somebody else had done for him. You see, it was because of David's relationship with Jonathan that David promised, I I will bless your family And it was because of David's relationship to Jonathan that Mephibosheth is now blessed. And why is it that we're blessed? Because God, through Jesus Christ, has promised to bless us. Ephesians 1, verses 7 through 9, it was was on his merits, his basis, that we're blessed today. It was because of what Jesus did on the cross and the blood he shed is why I'm the recipient of God's grace. It's not anything that I've done. It's because of who Jesus was. Mephibosheth was blessed because of who Jonathan was, his father. And so the meaning of grace is is seen. It's, It's unmerited favor. That's the way we've often described it. And I think that that description helps us to to see it. And then look at the effects of God's grace. I I want you to notice this. The, The effects of God's grace doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that we're sinners. When David extended grace to Mephibosheth and said, listen, I want you to come and live here And I want you to eat at my palace. I want you to eat at my table. You're one of us. It didn't make Mephibosheth able to stand up and walk. He was still lame. But when he scooted in under that table, when he sat at David's table, his legs were covered. He was just another person sitting at the table. Romans makes a statement in Romans chapter 4 about how we're blessed. Blessed is the one whose sins are covered. Mephibosheth, when he was scooted up to the king's table and those legs go under the table, there's, there's no one seeing any difference in him than anybody else. And God has offered to forgive us. 
to, to um, justify us. It's not that we haven't sinned. It's not that um, we're, we're pure and innocent. We're sinners. But we are covered. Our sins are covered by the grace of God. And for that, we need to be thankful. And the recipients of God's grace, what, what would you expect from them? There was a time when David was run out of town and um, due to some misinformation that was given to Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth didn't run with him when his son Absalom was rebelling. And so when Absalom was destroyed and David comes back to town, he goes up to Mephibosheth and says, Hey, how come you didn't lead with us? What's the deal? Have you turned your back on me? And he said, Absolutely not. I was lied to. And, and I am in your corner. And if you choose not to believe that, I mean, you've already been so gracious to me already. I, I, you know, if you choose to put me to death, you can go ahead and put me to death. I'm not going to balk because you've already been good to me. But I'm telling you, I was on your side the whole time. I was, I was lied to, and I am with you to this day. A man who's received as much as Mephibosheth received, how could he then soon turn his back on the one who had been so good to him. You can't. And when you think of our grace and and what God has done for us, how can we soon turn our back on God who has been so good to us to forgive us our transgressions? It's hard to do. Oh, I know we have momentary stumbles. We make mistakes from time to time in moments of weakness. But planned out, calculated defiant sin against the one who's been so good to us? I hope we don't engage in that. That's the height of ingratitude for what God has done in spite of what God has done for us. Mephibosheth is one who stands, I think, as an example of God's grace. We have a man who once lived in the presence of the king, but no longer does. He was separated. And in that separation, he became crippled, helpless, living in a desolate, barren land. In fact, he was even, according to 2 Samuel chapter 9, he was afraid of the king. He didn't want to be discovered. And when he was called to come before the king, he felt very inadequate. He was afraid. But the king only wanted to bless him. And he offered him a place at his table to live out the rest of his life. Is that not our story? Because we have chosen to sin, we were separated from God. And and where did that get us? In a barren, desolate place where there is no hope, there's no way to deal with our sins effectively. We are doomed, we are lost, and we're afraid of God. Because we know he's holy and he knows and we know he has our number. So what do we do? When God calls our name, what do we do? Do we hide? Or do we respond and receive the gift that he's given and live our lives in gratitude to him? I hope we'll do the latter. And there may be someone here this morning who finds themselves separated from God because of sin. And maybe at times you've been angry with God. Maybe at times you've been afraid of God. One thing's for sure, you're not right with God. 
I want you to know that that God of heaven that you're separated from has his hand out to you. He's calling your name. He wants you to commune with him at his table forever. How, How, why would you possibly turn that down? To go from a barren land to the king's palace... That's what you're being offered today. If you're not yet a child of God, respond to the offer of God to have your sins forgiven and to dwell and commune, have fellowship with the King of Kings. If you haven't yet been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, make that decision this morning. We'll assist you in that. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful, you've turned your back on God. You're in that faraway land, that barren, desolate place where you find there is no hope for me. Stop living there. Give your life to Him. Listen to His call as He calls your name. Turn to Him and respond. And He's not there to blister you for the mistakes you've made. He's there to bless you and ask you to do better. If you need to respond to the invitation, whether it be for prayers or to be baptized into Christ, We invite you to come as we stand together and sing.